Hey everybody, welcome to episode 16 of the Mendoza Line. I'm still Cam, he's still Nick, and we are still very happy to be here. What's up, man? Not a lot, how are you? You know, I'm good. We uh, we took the week off last week because I had just gotten back from a weekend in Detroit and was just exhausted from the, the quick two-day uh, blitz. But we are back now, and I'm happy to be here talking with you, man. Yeah, I missed you last week, but you had important things to do, so I understand. A lot happened in that two weeks, though. Got a lot to cover tonight. Yes, we do. Let's dive right into it then, sir. Uh, what what should we start with? There's just so many juicy topics. <laughs> there are a lot of juicy topics. We uh, yeah, we probably won't even do this chronologically, but the one that you know kind of comes to my mind first, especially. I mean, it just happened last night. It's also one of the most bizarre stories i think i've ever seen do you see this uh chris sale got suspended for five days from the white Sox for get this cutting up his and all of his other teammates jerseys before the game have you ever heard of something like that before uh not not in um major league baseball maybe like in professional wrestling where it's you know planned as part of a storyline but how how does he have enough time to do this <laughs> Like, that's a lot of jerseys. <laughs> that is a lot of jerseys. Like, when I first saw this, I thought it was just his jersey. Yeah. And then I read, I read it again, and I was like, wait a minute. No, he, he, he damaged the entire team. There's a lot of dudes. It must have been some sharp scissors. The only, the only thing I could think of was he got the training staff scissors. I don't know why else someone would have scissors in there. But yeah, he cut up. I think it was in, or during batting practice or something. But but still, how is he alone long enough to do that? Unless he's like hiding in a broom closet with everyone's jersey. Like I just, I'm I'm almost more impressed that he was able to pull this off than I am aghast that a grown man would do this. I can't quite figure out how to you know land on this one. It just seems so ridiculous. So the context behind all of this. The White Sox are known for having some of the worst throwback jerseys in all of uh, professional sports. This wasn't the one they were wearing last night, but they do. They've worn these uh, pretty recently, but they actually were shorts or a part of the uniform. I will. I'll have to if you can't find. <laughs> that's like the that's like the basketball jerseys with sleeves. If you, if you if you can't find a leak, I'll try to help you, but. There's some amazing pictures, speaking of uniform aesthetics, uh, from a couple episodes ago. Of yeah, some I think it was in the late 80s or early 90s. But they they uh, they literally wore shorts with these just awful jerseys on top and just so bad. But these weren't even those. This was some promotional that they had planned for a while, but they had the collars on them. Uh, so I guess a little bit more dressy of a, which I don't know why you would put that on a baseball uniform. So yeah, Chris Sale was not not a fan. He, and he had actually talked to management about not wearing them because it was very uncomfortable for him to pitch in. So he perceived this as management not caring about him doing well and more about a promotion to earn money. So huge mess, and in the context of. The White Sox are not doing very well, and he has been surfacing as 
as far as trade rumors go. And I don't know if this is something that is going to seal the deal for something like that, but this, that's pretty, I don't know. It's going to be tough to overcome. Well, and from what I gather, they're, uh, they're asking for like five to seven prospects in return for him. Like they want a lot. So, so yeah, which they said that the price has just been astronomical, but you're talking about one of the best pitchers in all of baseball who's still under control for multiple years, three plus years, pretty club blended contract. So I, but still, like, this could be one of the biggest trades we've ever seen. It's, you know, if we've got five prospects, you know, three of those will probably. There's only a few teams that could ever pull something like this off. So, I don't know. This is going to be very intriguing, especially with this wrinkle of him kind of going crazy. And if you remember at the beginning of the year, there's all this drama with uh, Adam LaRoche and his son Drake and all the drama in the in the clubhouse. So, very interesting stuff going on in uh South Side Chicago. Yeah, what's funny to me about this is Ozzie Guillen's not even there anymore, and he and he, <laughs> he was supposed to be the problem, right? Because they've they've had issues like this for you know. What's the common denominator here? Kenny Williams. It's, yeah, becoming a little bit more evident. I don't know. It's how do you how does communication break down? Because, I mean, you don't just go, there's been nothing that Chris Sale in his history that would, if this was a little thing that he was going to cut up a bunch of jerseys, he had to be pretty upset, I would imagine. So there's some major lack of communication going on there. Yeah, well, one of the articles I read said that he's he's butted heads with management and front office before, but nothing remotely close to this. So I don't know if someone just said something to him that, just sent him over the edge if there's other stuff going on in his life personally that is causing you know like this was just the straw that you know broke the camel's back as they say uh you know i don't want to speculate i don't know the guy i don't know what's going on in his life but yeah this does seem to be a from the outside a very very bizarre thing for a grown man to do (laughs) it's essentially throwing a temper tantrum yeah and uh in a really weird way yeah so, it's funny because the, new, the news broke last night that he was scratched from the start, so everyone just naturally assumed, oh, he's yeah, he's getting traded, probably about to get traded. And then they said this has this is a discipline incident for something that was non-confrontational, or non-physical in nature, and the fallout was everyone was just really confused, like what the heck <laughs> like happened? And then the news came out. And of course, just so many jokes and so many jokes about uh, Chris Sale adding a cutter <laughs> <laughs> to his fastball and slider. Oh, that's I heard that joke from like three different people. So I'm, I'm sure, I mean, that's pretty low hanging fruit. I don't think people copied that, but. The sad thing is, is I did, that joke didn't even cross my, and I'm mad at myself. I didn't think of that. That's. That's well done. Whoever whoever said that. Yes. Good job. So he already he already had a pretty sick arsenal and now he added a cutter. <laughs> it's going to be <laughs> unhittable. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> so yeah, there also talk about 
auctioning off all those uniforms for charity and maybe having them sign some. But they they wore another. The other alternate Earth Throwback jerseys that they actually wore last night, they actually aren't too bad. The white with the, I think that was like the black and red stripe through the middle. But the one, I can definitely see how they would be uncomfortable for a pitcher to be, I mean, you go through so much extension. He's a very tall and slender guy, so I guess he had a point. But, you know, look good, feel good, play good. I think there's something to that. Yeah. So it's not it's not going well on the south side. I would Well and they started out so well. It's just been downhill ever since. Yeah, before before last night I would say I'd be pretty surprised if he was traded. Because pitchers like that don't come around very often to you know, that type of ace that you can control for multiple years afford a you know, at affordable price. He's had very little to no arm injuries. But now I I just with all the talk recently about the trade, I it seems like the momentum is pushing this in the direction where we should see something in the next week or so. See, I'll be surprised this time next week if we're talking and that already hasn't happened or is on the brink of happening. Yeah, well, he's definitely not going to the Tigers, so. No. That would that would be pretty good to add to. Verlander and Fulmer and Zimmerman, but I don't think it's going to happen. Well, I'll tell you what, they need a they need another pitcher because Mike Pelfrey is having a rough year. But that's not on our list of topics. I'm sorry. What's up next? There's 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 more pitchers or there's more other people. I'm I'm interested to see what you want to talk about, sir. Um, I guess the next thing this just came through today, actually. But the Astros are calling up their top prospect, Alex Bregman, to uh, the majors tomorrow, I believe. Um, so this is a guy who's just in the Futures game a few weeks ago. He was the number two overall pick in the draft last year. So he had a very quick ascent into the majors, but he has just been mashing the ball. Uh, Starting out double A this year, and... Um, yeah, had uh, 14 home runs and uh, 46 RBIs and just under 300 at-bats. Uh, hit 300, uh, got on base uh, four, uh, 415, slugged almost 600, and then he got promoted, and he has been hitting way better <laughs> since he got promoted. So in 17 games, he's hitting 356, getting on base still. Uh, 40% of the time, and slugging almost 700. So that pretty much forced the Astros' hand. And what's interesting is they really don't have much room uh, to play him, especially when his natural position is at shortstop. He's not playing shortstop where Carlos Correa is. Uh, third base, Luis Valbuena has actually had a really good year. And they just signed uh, this Cuban Uneski Guriel, I think is how you pronounce it, to a pretty big deal. And he's going to be up in a few weeks and more than likely will be playing third. So they're talking about he's been playing a little bit of left field in the minors. So he'll probably play some third base, left field uh, in the American League. I'm sure gives you some flexibility with DHing. But not only I think is this a big deal, because this is a guy that I think is going to be a star. Um, 
if not this year, but in the future, a very important piece to their pennant uh, chase, which they are, they've been on fire recently and are making me look a lot smarter. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, since their slow start. But I, I'm telling you what, the Astros are going to be putting up a really good lineup uh, in very short order. So they're going to be in contention the rest of this year. Uh, I think it's going to boil down to their pitching, which they, Keiko's been a little bit better and uh, McCullers has been a lot better, which McCullers turns out to be an ace. That could be what they need. But I, I'm going to be really interested to see, first of all, the playing time that he can get. And, um, yeah, what that does to that lineup that's already pretty good. Uh, already, you know, having a good year. But, the, I mean, reinforcements, if you can add a guy of Bregman's stature, you that's pretty impressive. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see him, see how he does. But also that that uh, race in the West between the Rangers and Astros is going to be a lot of fun, especially if you know the we're talking about Chris Sale and only a couple teams being really able to afford him. You know the I would say the Cubs would probably be one, and I just don't see the White Sox trading him to the Cubs. So the other the only other two teams that could do that would be the Rangers and um, the Red Sox. And potentially the Astros, although they they trade a decent other prospects, um, and a Bregman would probably have to be part of that, which I just don't see at this point. So yeah, if if Texas gets Sale uh, to add to Cole Hamels and Hugh Darvish, who's rounding into form, that'd be a lot of fun as just a objective baseball fan to to watch that in the next couple months. Yeah, that will that would just be tough to go against in the playoffs those three yeah when you think about the i mean the astros just i mean they have a lot of they've got a couple they've got i mean aj reed the the guy they just sent down has been he's a you know upper echelon prospect they just have a lot of flexibility um with valbuena even to put him at first or dh and with those other guys you're not talking about a ton of weak spots on that team anymore, uh, especially in the field. So I don't know, but it's it's a pretty big deal in the prospect world, would especially because he's just he was already highly regarded in the way that he's just tore up the league in just his first full year as a professional. It's very impressive. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this all shakes, especially you know, as we said with the. Uh... The Chris Sale, you know, not knowing what's going to happen the next week. I mean, the Astros could pull the trigger potentially on something. I don't know. They, like you said, they're they're loaded with with prospects, and uh, I would be interesting to see if the Red Sox pull off another trade um, as well. What the Yankees are going to do? Uh, I read an article that said that that Chapman is probably on the trading block, but that Andrew Miller is not, um, and he was a guy that I thought had potential trade bait. Uh, value so yeah just this is just one of my favorite times of the year um yeah the the rumors right now are just flying all over the place well because you get you get 
all of the baseball in-season trades, but then we've had, you know, just a few weeks ago, all of the out-of-season NBA trades happened or free agent signings. And so just like this time, and then it's the soccer transfer period right now too. So like the whole month of July is just like, a sports fan's dream as far as who's going to wind up where and what teams are going to do what crazy thing and who's going to sell the farm for one guy a la Zach Grinke with the Diamondbacks last season, you know. So I just, this is all very exciting and, um, you know, it's a bit nerdy, but who cares? That's, you know, we have a podcast about baseball, so I feel like, you know, we should be excited about this sort of stuff. And, and a lot of this is posturing. Like, there's there's going to be a few big trades that come come out of nowhere. Uh, which is, it's just going to hit and everyone's just going to be like, oh my gosh, what happened? Remember that happened with the Tulowitzki? I mean, they talked about him being traded last year, but there was no talk about uh, that Blue Jays-Rockies deal. I mean, a lot of the stuff that gets out there, uh, it's it's all posturing, it's negotiating, it's uh, trying to get other teams to, to pony up more. You know, so there, there's truth to that, but, you know, get this last week here with coming up to the trade deadline, you just, so much stuff. Um, you hear and you don't know what to expect and people freaking out. But yeah, next Sunday and Monday will be interesting to see what all happens and uh, what will really shape the last couple of months, especially with pitching. If you get um, an ace or and a big reason why, you know, you talk about sale being in such high because there's just no, there's just not much pitching out there and available. You know, we've talked about the lack of free agent pitchers coming up. There's just, there's not much. Rich Hill is about it. You know, there's even talk about the Reds have uh, a guy named Anthony Disclafani, who is a young guy really coming into his own. And they're talking about the Rangers are looking at him just because there's nobody else out there. And I, it'd be one of those deals where, I mean, the Reds, they have him, they could sign him, he can play for, the, the minimum again next year, and then they have three more years after that. So in, any way that he gets traded is because is for like a massive deal, which I just don't see happening. But it's just it's funny because you know because of the lack of of a market, you know, guys like that are even getting talked about that wouldn't necessarily even be perceived as available in a, in a normal market. So it's crazy. It goes to show major league pitching. Good, consistent major league pitching is hard to find, and this time of year is invaluable. So, because of injuries, et cetera, but it's going to be a, a crazy ride this next couple of weeks. It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. So, let's talk about uh, your boy, Aroldis yeah. Chapman. And I say your boy in serious, heavy joke quotes because I know, <laughs> I know how you feel about him now. Yeah, he, yeah, it's been an interesting ride with him. So coming up, coming, being signed by the Reds with all that potential to even be a starter, talking about a Randy Johnson type fastball slider, but he just, for multiple reasons, because of the Reds being in contention, needing some bullpen help, we just never even tried him as a starter. So a lot of people that are Reds fans always wonder what could have happened if we would have tried to develop as that. But alas, we didn't. He turned out to be a dominant closer, which is important this day and age. Well, my big beef with with Chapman or the handling of him was we should have traded him at the deadline last year. There was some some demand. I think we could have got a really good package for him, but we didn't. 
for whatever reason, because we were awful last year. We kept him. We remained awful. And then he decided to uh, abuse his girlfriend slash wife and shoot a gun up in the air right as we're getting ready or right before we traded him. So then his trade value just plummeted and we ended up training him for basically nothing to the Yankees. So he has, uh, I guess in the perception of others, has rekindled his value to the point where there's been a ton of stuff out tonight about a potential deal happening with the Cubs uh, involving Claybor Torres, which, I mean, the Cubs have a good system, so he's not their top prospect, but he's up there. He's, I think, Major League Baseball, he's, their, he's a top 25 prospect as a shortstop. So we're talking about getting him and, and others for Chapman, for three months of Chapman. So I'm just sick to my stomach thinking about what we could have had for him last year with a year and a half of availability left. But Yeah, and now he's going to your division. Now he's going to the Cubs. So I'm sure it's one of those things. If they're giving up that much, they must be working out some sort of extension to where he's going to be with the Cubs. So it's just... It's, it was poor on multiple levels for the Reds of waiting too long, holding on to him, the, their asset depreciating, trading him low, him rekindling his value with the Yankees, them trading for a package that we could have gotten last year, and then him going to a division rival. It's just the whole thing is just making me ill. Yeah, well, it, to the opposite of that, if the Yankees are able to get a few pieces for him, that's a really good business move on their part. You know, they they bring in Chapman uh, for the season. Oh, it was it, fantastic it does, on the Yankees yeah, part. Yeah, and, you know, they bring him in, and they've got a really good back end of the bullpen with him and Miller and Betances, but season didn't work out the way they'd hoped, so if they can ship him off and get a few good pieces from a team like the Cubs or you know, uh, whoever else might be in the market for a, a top end closer. It's just quality business move on their part if they can find a you know, a willing partner. Well and if you're the Yankees too, they want to re sign him. So if he doesn't sign an extension, you trade him now. And then you sign him in the off season. And you're the Yankees, so you could probably afford to pay him in the off season. Which would just be but, the ultimate coup. You're going to trade him for a bunch of prospects that you get to keep, and then if you can sign him back at the end of the season, you pretty much just you just pretty much have just stolen some players. Which is why I just I would have a hard time believing that any team trading for him is not going to want to have an extension in place because it's way different to to trade a top prospect and get Chapman and know that you have him for four or five years as opposed to three months uh, where you potentially lose him for that. But I don't know. I mean, if you're the Cubs, you have the resources to just replenish the system and take the chance. Because, uh, I mean, they're, they've been sputtering a little bit, and their pitching is the only thing that's going to keep them from winning the World Series this year. So I don't blame them if they go for it. But it's smart. Um, I think it goes to show, I mean, the re- anything that you're in, if you you just need to make a decision sometimes. and sometimes waiting too long can be a bad thing so the Reds really screwed that one up they screwed the Brandon Phillips thing up by letting him get the 10-5 rides to where they can't trade him and now he's playing for us every day doing below average 
not letting our top prospect play, and yet we're still the third worst team in baseball and paying him $12 million. It's been a rough, it's been a rough year for the Reds. You know, it's it's one thing to to be rough and then being able to watch your young guys um, get them experience and get them better, but to have it be rough and watch the same guys deteriorate and um, block playing time from others is even another level of that. So that that's not going to end well. They need to to bench him and make him a part time player, but it's never going to happen. But anyways. Chapman is probably going to get dealt in the next few days here. So that'll be a big piece um, off the board. Man, there's even been talk. Yeah, there, I mean, the Royals even the last few days have been com- contemplating because they aren't doing as well as they expected. They've had a lot of injuries. They've expected um, putting Wade Davis on the block, which I would argue he'd be even more valuable than Chapman because I think he has another year. On his contract, but playoffs, uh, it's all about starting pitching a bullpen. So that's why that's where the market is right now. I would love to see the Royals break up the team. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they, I mean, by going for it last year, they depleted their farm quite a bit. And they're not a team that is going to be able to, you know, sign. They're, I mean, they're still a smaller market, so it might be wise for them. They won last year. It might be wise for them to kind of cash in the chips, knowing that they've only got a couple more years left of Hosmer and Kane and um, some of those other guys, and their pitching staff just not very good. So you you got to start even, you know, for them. You're playing with house money now. I mean, <laughs> you won a World Series. that. That has to hold, hold you for a while, and you can start building towards the future. So we'll see. All right, what's up next? There was one pretty big trade last week that we didn't get to cover uh, before we kind of. Well, I guess we get into a few other guys that I think will definitely be traded this week. But the Red Sox and Padres made another trade. Um, if you remember, they made a trade last offseason for the Padres traded Craig Kimbrell for... Oh, I totally forgot uh, he went to the Padres. I forgot all about that. He was always a brave in my mind. Yeah, so the Padres traded for him and then traded him to the Red Sox for uh, Manuel Margot and Javi Guerra, uh, two pretty good prospects. And they made another trade where they traded Drew Pomerantz who was a top? Who was a high draft pick uh, three or four years ago, but hasn't really panned out. Uh, but it's been resurgent this year. Has kind of been their ace. Um, trade him to the Red Sox for one of their top pitching prospects, Anderson Espinoza, who I believe he's. He think he's eighteen, but he is. He throws in the upper nineties, pretty raw. I mean any. Anybody who's 18 as a pitcher is going to be a pretty raw, unfinished product. That was very well regarded pitching prospect. So a lot of people were very were shocked by you know Dave Dombrowski's a very aggressive GM and he's not a prospect lover or hoarder. He will trade them to cash in, which is a bit uh, 
it's a bit risk of you know risky whereas most gms are more risk averse especially with their top or top end prospects so i mean this is a guy who's you know been compared to you know pedro martinez because he's similar stature i think he throws harder than pedro but he's still only an a ball so he's a, a solid three you know three four years from the majors but he i mean he could be he could pan out to be an ace and you know, Drew Pomerantz was a guy they got from the A's for not much. So I think it's it's an interesting deal. You know, that your first instinct or my first instinct was that the Padres, you know, took the Red Sox to the cleaners because Pomerantz is not really a proven guy. But I can see why Dombrowski did it <clears throat> because of the lack of pitching. And any pitching that you do get is going to cost you a ton. Just to be able to give up one pitching prospect who, if you're the Red Sox, you're not going to see him for three, four years. Um, and you're also the Red Sox. You can pretty much replenish uh, wh- whatever your system needs because you're the Red Sox um, for a chance to to add a middle of the rotation type guy who could be, you know, that's what, again, same thing with the Astros. The Red Sox have no trouble hitting. It's the pitching that has kept them from being really successful this year. So I can see it. It's a immediate dividend. Um, I mean, they just signed one of the top guys in the draft. So they they just replenished another high-end raw arm to their system. So they're not going to be lacking in that. But it, it was interesting because you, you don't see a, a guy like Espinosa get traded a ton, especially for a guy like Pomerantz who is not a perennial MVP by any stretch. But I think he he's had one start, I believe, and didn't go super well, so we'll see how that goes the rest of the year. And the track to the trajectory of Espinosa's career. But we uh we talked about the Rodney deal, but that's definitely one of the the bigger ones to kick off the trade se- season. Well Boston being Boston. That's you know must be nice. <laughs> Dombrowski being Dombrowski as well. Well, no, because he's actually trading for a pitcher. He never did that in Detroit. Oh, really? I mean, he would. He signed uh, Scherzer and he signed uh, David Price or or traded for him or whatever. Well, you yeah, you he traded for Price. But at the same time, when our bullpen was atrocious, he signed Torrey Hunter <laughs> for a lot of money. Clubhouse guy. You just tried to American League it, you know? We're just going to outscore the opponent, which we did a lot of. But when you get to the playoffs, that doesn't necessarily, you know, mean anything because when you're going up against a team that can roll out three, you know, top notch starters and have a good bullpen, like the Royals have done the last two seasons in their World Series runs, it doesn't matter how good your offense is if the pitchers don't let you have a good pitch the whole game to hit. So it, just, it was just really frustrating. He refused to address the bullpen. And when he did, it was Joaquin Soria, Joe Nathan, Jabba Chamberlain, all ha- all has-beens. <laughs> yeah. and, and no offense to those guys. I'm glad they got a second opportunity to, to do what they love to do, but they didn't come through, you know? So Yeah, which was a big reason why he traded for Kimbrell last offseason. Mm-hmm. And- yeah, which just makes me crazy that he – Brad Ziegler. Yeah. He's learning from his mistakes at least. I know, but he's learning from his mistakes on a on a team that, you know, the Tigers are going to have to get through every season if they want to get to the World Series. So it's just frustrating. 
you know, and good on Dombrowski for learning and, and you know, um, trying to improve at what he does. That's, you know, good for him. It's the sign of a, you know, a good dude, but it's just frustrating. Like, it's like, it's like the same thing you said with the whole Roldis Chapman situation. You're really frustrated at how your team handled it. And then he goes to a different team and they potentially seem to be handling it a lot better. It's just, you know, it's frustrating to see other people do what your team should have done in the same situation. So that's all. Yeah, absolutely. That's all. Absolutely. I feel your pain. I can <laughs> empathize. So, although the Tigers are having a good year. No, they, they are having a good year. Um, they, they, they are still in the wild card hunt and there's still a lot of baseball to get played. So he made a good, good trade in getting former while he did. Yeah. And, and that will hopefully uh, pan out in the long term and, you know, hopefully he'll be able to take over from Verlander as, you know, the 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 heir to the ace position in our um lineup, but we'll see. We'll see. He's still young. All right, some other some other trade rumors that we'll cover. We we kinda cover Chris Sale. Um, that could be a big deal uh this coming week. Uh Jay Bruce from the Reds who a little cold going into the All-Star break, but he's come out on fire, hit another three-run home run today. His, potentially his last home game in a Reds uniform, which is kind of crazy to think about. He he came up my it was my junior college, so it's quite a been quite a bit of time of watching him. So that's kind of hasn't really sunk in that he could be gone soon, but he. Uh, <clears throat> That is one thing the Reds maybe did well was he has been subject to trade rumors for about a year now, and they almost traded him to the Mets last year. But he that would have been an instance of selling low, and they almost traded him again this offseason to the Blue Jays, but something happened in the prospects that they wanted to get back at being hurt, and so it didn't go through. So he has this year definitely rekindled his value to where I, I think the Reds will be able to get a a little bit better of a piece coming back, even though it'll be hard to see him leave. But I would be pretty shocked if he doesn't get traded soon, just because we actually have a few outfielders <clears throat> in AAA that are ready, uh, Shevler and Winker, and so they need some a spot. And th- yeah, the rest just need to just get it over with. I mean, he's been dealing with this for a year. He wants to play for a winner. I don't blame him. Um, so yeah, that's that'll be interesting. Some teams that have been associated with him or have been the Indians. They've they're trying out uh, Lonnie Chisenhall and uh, some other some other guys. But you know, they've Tyler Naquin has actually come out and done well for them. So maybe that is not going to be as big of a need as as they thought. The Dodgers are another team uh, they've been connected with with Bruce, the Giants, um, and a few others. So. See where he goes. Uh, Jonathan Lucroy, catcher for the Brewers. Some pretty similar situation as Bruce. Really good player. Definitely the top catching option left out there. One of the best offensive catchers uh, in the game. He's got, a, uh, I think, another year after this year left on his contract. But the Brewers will not be competing by the time that his contract's up. And he's come out and said that he wants to play for a winner. So yeah, the Indians are another team. They they just lost Yon Gomes to a long injury, so they're thin at catching. 
the Indians have been connected with a lot of a lot of different players, including Chapman, uh, Bruce, and obviously Lucroy. They seem to be trying to do what they can to go for it. But in my past experience, they're not a they're not a team that is super willing to give up prospects. So we'll see if they get anything done. Uh, the Rangers are another team that could use a catcher. But yeah, so we'll see where Lucroy does. Um, and then Rich Hill from the A's. That's another guy that will. Uh, you know, 99% likely to get traded this week just because the A's are way out of it. Um, Hill is the probably, yeah, one of the best options out there. He's had a really good year. Kind of been a resurgent, you know, career for him. Kind of disappeared there for a while, and then in his mid-30s has come back and been a really effective pitcher. So those are some guys I think have very very high likelihoods of being traded and um different uh, teams have been connected with them so we'll see what happens this week i'm really excited to see uh what all comes of it yeah next week should be uh a fun episode to kind of rehash uh this but hopefully with you know hey they wound up here and we can we can you know talk about the the new landscape of Major League Baseball after most... Give our quick-hitting expert analysis. Oh, yeah. Hot takes, Nick. Hot takes. We're all about the hot takes. I prefer some hot cakes. That would be... Aren't those... I was about to... I was thinking about pancakes. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It's a little little too late in the evening for pancakes. They're pretty heavy, but maybe we'll have to do a... We could do a baseball over brunch podcast, Nick. We should do that. That's totally Mm. manly, right? That sounds pretty amazing. <laughs> Two of my favorite things. Yes. Bagels, bacon, and baseball. Maybe some maybe some brioche. I'm trying to think of other breakfast foods that start with B. Bagels. Breakfast burritos. There we go. Oh man. Look at us. Uh all right. Should we uh should we move on to a current uh standings review? Yeah. Or are there any other uh... uh trades that you wanted to discuss? No, I think the rest would just be purely hypothetical. I, there's, I mean, anything could happen. Yeah. But those are the guys I guess we'll see in a week, but I would be pretty shocked if any of those guys didn't get traded. So we'll, there's at least some substance to those. But, yeah, let's go through the standings. We have a, It's been about a month. Let's see wherever the teams are. And, uh, yeah, I think that'll be a wrap after that. All right. I'm loading the standings right now. My internet is letting me down by by being slow. Classic internet. But I can tell you I can tell you this. The Minnesota Twins are not in first place. That I know as an empirical fact. They're not, but they are they're 5 and 5 in their last 10. They split at Boston, which is impressive. Um they're not quite as atrocious as they were. Uh, their winning percentage is thirty-eight percent. Oh, it, it's still bad. <laughs> but I know this because the Reds, um, yeah, they're just one game ahead of them. And a few weeks ago, the they had a four or five game lead on them. But this is <laughs> this is what this year has amounted to is seeing how close to last we are. So the the Braves are really kind of separated here. 
well, yeah, from the rest of the pack. And the team that I don't think we've really ever talked about this season, or this, uh, well, yeah, this season so far is uh, the Tampa Bay Rays are terrible. Yeah, they are now, they're tied with the Reds for the third worst record. Yeah, and I don't remember us ever uh, talking about them in, in any of our standing review. I didn't realize how bad they were. Like, I knew they weren't good, but, I mean, 38 and 60, yeah. they're, they're scraping the bottom of the barrel. Uh, I th- yeah, I think with them, it's a combination of the rest of the AL East turned out to be a little bit better than I expected. And really, I think when you look at the American League, there's only, you know, you know the White Sox are, we wouldn't classify them as good, but they're 500. They're not bad. Um, there's just not very many bad teams. The The A's and Angels are, you know, the A's are 45 and 54. The Angels are 43 and 55, 12 under. Twins are really bad, obviously. So, I mean, I I think there's only four really bad teams in the in the AL. So, I mean, they're playing in the AL East. They're just playing a lot of good teams. And their, their pitching is just so young. And their offense has just been a little inconsistent. But the pitching has failed them for the most part. Archer, my AL Cy Young pick, <laughs> has been very... <laughs> Has not been good. Let it let it be yeah. known for the record that I did not bring that up. That was that was your own. Yeah, your own I'm fu- I'm gonna fully own that one. I I took a bit of a leap just because he has such insane stuff. Whereas last year he was able to control it, or I I think it's a combination of that and maybe hitters just stop swinging this year because his slider is so filthy and he just can't throw like when you don't swing at it and it's not really a strike most of the time that makes it tougher if you can't really control your stuff and they're going to make you throw strikes so it's just not been the same season he hasn't been awful but he has no been nowhere near as good as he was last year matt moore has been very average uh odor has been okay uh they brought up blake snell he's been okay as well but really a lot of control problems uh, their closer coming in the year, Boxberger's been hurt all year. Their bullpen's not very good. So yeah, they they're just they don't have a lot going for them either. I mean, all their position players, Longoria, maybe that you know, look back at the maybe he's their best position player, but he's not getting any younger. Um, I, I just can't really name too many other guys on their team even. So they're yeah they're bad. I guess it's one of those things where they they just were such a good organization for so long, and you just never thought like because you never really knew who played for the played for the Rays except for you know the top four or five guys. Whereas you know you know some of it maybe correlates with Friedman leaving to the Dodgers a couple of years ago. So they're you know he was seen as a you know a really good decision maker. And a big part of their success, you know, without him, and now they haven't really been developing the pitching. Yeah, so yeah, they, they, that's another team. They, with all their young pitching, they, you could see one of those guys going. You know, I have no idea which one it would be, just a chance to kind of replenish their system a little bit. But yeah, they are, they're falling hard. Oh, well, they'll, you know, 
You always bounce back after you hit rock bottom. It's that whole, you know, gravity and physics thing. But yeah, the rest of the AL East has, you know, we, I remember talking about them being pretty average uh, across the board. But the, the Orioles have really separated themselves. The Red Sox and then the Blue Jays as well. <clears throat> they really put a good run together. They all have very high run differentials. So those are the three team. That's a three team race with the Blue Jays only being three back of the Orioles. That'll be a fun pennant race. We could also see, depending on the Rangers Astros, maybe all three of those teams make it as two of the wild cards. Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely not out of a question that there would be three teams from the East in the American League playoffs, which would be kind of like old, old times when it was Yankees, Red Sox, uh, Rays, you know, back when, you know, Price and Longoria were much younger and, um, they were kind of the, the upstarts in the AL East that have been dominated by New York and in Boston for so long. So it'd be really interesting to see, see it be Baltimore, Toronto and Boston out of the East. That's that, that'd be a new wrinkle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, None of those teams really strike you as having the pitching to dominate in the playoffs. So I'm I'm hesitant to say we'll definitely see one of those teams in the World Series because I don't necessarily think that. Because even the Red Sox, you know, Price, David Price has been very average this year because I have him on my fantasy team and he is just continually, you know, kind of get, he got lit up last night by the Twins. Um, you know, he's had some good, really good games intermixed in there, but um, I don't know off the top of my head, but his his uh, his stats this year aren't the, you know, what you would typically see as uh, David Price stats. Yeah, he's definitely not one in the Cy Young, that's for sure. No, he's not. So, it's yeah, it's interesting. I, I'm, I want to see, I guess, how this plays out, you know, if the Red Sox are able to get a guy like Sale, that could really turn things around. But yeah, because then at that point, if you've got Sale and Price, even if Price isn't having a great year, if if he's able to dial it in in the playoffs, that's that's a pretty stinking good combo. Yeah, for sure. Yes, Price has a 450 WHIP or 450 ERA right now. So his um. His previous years, this is kind of crazy. So he has a 450 ERA right now. His ERA was 230 last year, 250 there before that, 240. He had to go all the way back to, um, I guess his last year in, in De- or his first full year in Detroit, he had a mid three ERA. But after he got traded, he kind of dominated. Um, yeah, I don't want to talk about this that. Would, this would be by far his highest ERA in his whole career. So maybe he just has happened sometimes you get those massive contracts and the pressure to perform and you know you're in Boston it makes it tough but maybe he'll do one of those patented stretch runs where he's just unhittable I don't know but hasn't been too encouraging thus far Yeah the uh the thing that I just noticed and would would like to get your thoughts on is this so the uh the Texas Rangers, 57 and 42, first place in the AL West, have a run differential of four. 
Yeah, I think it was zero yesterday. Which I think I remember seeing that. Either tells me they win an incredible amount of close games, or when they lose, they absolutely get blown out of the water. Because that's insane. Four runs over the course of 99 games. They've outscored their opponents by four runs, yet they win at a 57.5% pace. I think that's why you see them being as aggressive as they have been. I think they know they're maybe have been a little lucky up to this point. So adding uh, gives them a chance to sustain it. Because, yeah, I don't, I don't think they're a dominant team. No team is dominant with a run differential of four. So, you know, they, they came out of all-star break and lost um, six of seven, which didn't help. They got swept by the Angels, which is never good. <laughs> they have rebounded. Uh, they beat the uh, Royals two games in a row. So, yeah, that's, I feel like that's tough to do. They must be winning a lot of close games, which that's there's some years where that happens. That's the Cardinals pretty much every year. Yeah. So, yeah, but the West, since we're on the Rangers, looks to be a, a Rangers-Astros a fight. You know, the what's crazy, what's crazy about baseball, the Mariners are two games over 500 and have a plus 46 run differential. So they they must be really unlucky because they've they've scored basically the same amount of runs as the rangers and have given up uh 46 less but they are six and a half games back so you know maybe we'll see a little bit of run here by the the mariners but they're six and a half back that's a it's a bit of a bit of a climb yeah there's i don't know there's still, what, 60 games left, roughly, depending on the team, give or take? Yeah. Yeah, so a lot can happen. I mean, two hot streaks or or even just one cold streak, and you can completely turn your season around. So They got to get Felix and Taiwan Walker back healthy for that to happen. They are, they're both coming off injuries. So that that'll need to be a big uh, part of their turnaround if that were to happen. So the central, what's going on in the central? Well, Cleveland's still in first place. Uh, the Royals are falling apart, as are the White Sox, and Detroit is just kind of holding <laughs> holding steady right now, which is what they d- holding on. And and they as as you mentioned earlier, they lost two games to the White Sox today, which is not what you need to do. See, the the Tigers' record against division opponents is not good, which kind of tells me which kind of tells me that we aren't going to make the playoffs because we have to win division games, and we just can't do that. So, well, they have been owned by the Indians this year. Like I, th- they may have only beaten the Indians once. I need to look through this because I think the last time they played, I remember hearing something about it. <clears throat> um, but yeah, they got swept by the Indians in their series in April. They got swept again in May. Um, swept again in June. 
they lost two of three in July. So yeah, they they are one and eleven against the Indians this year. So that is why they have such a bad division record. <laughs> yeah, that's just, crazy. They're not good against division teams, and that is infuriating because those games can sway the standings incredibly. You know, like if you sweep a division opponent, you can either make up a lot of ground or further increase your lead. So, yeah, it's looking it's it's the Indians division to lose. No other team in the division is um you know, Detroit's only is 6 games back, but, you know, to our point, they can't beat those teams. So, it, to me it looks like the the Indians division to win. Uh, and the Tigers have a very slim chance of making a wild card spot. They would be definitely, if they got it, they'd be the last team in, and they would have to sneak past better teams, I think. Well, the nice thing, like, looking at their schedule, they played the Indians seven more times. <laughs> so there's six more losses. <laughs> so, well, it gives them a chance to, yeah, gain some ground. They play the White Sox, Twins, and Royals a ton. Uh, they play the, I think they play the Red Sox, one more series, the Angels. So I'm just saying, their schedule, there's not a ton of division leaders in there. I think they play the Orioles three more. Um, so, I mean, there's a chance. We'll see. Well, they do play, they play the Red Sox and Astros the next two series, so they need to not lose more ground there. But I think their schedule sets up favorably to stay in the hunt. I'm not getting my hopes up, but <laughs> that's the American League as far as as I know. I don't really think there's yeah. a whole lot more to talk about there. But if we go over to the National League, uh, we've got. The Nationals, ahem, Nicholas, still leading the AL East with a run differential of 109. At, that is true. Still, I know you still hate them, but they're still, you know. Still questioning. Yeah, they, they just have the luxury of not playing top-of-the-line competition all the time. So we'll, well see. it's not their fault the other teams are bad. I mean, they can <laughs> I only, they can only play the schedule they're given. I know that. I'm just not ready to crown them. That's all. Yeah, they're they're four and a half clear. The the Marlins are in second. So that's 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 kind of shocking. I the Marlins are crazy like that. You think that they're out of it? They make terrible trades all the time. Questionable personnel moves, and yeah, here they are. I guess it helps when you have uh, really good talent like uh, Jose Fernandez and Giancarlo, Yelich, Ozuna. So, and you know, their their bullpen is pretty solidified with Rodney now. So they they could be in it, but the Mets are right there. They're only five back. <clears throat> That's another three-team race. I don't think the Nationals are absolutely set in stone. Uh, to win that, they Papelbon gave up uh, four runs today in the ninth, and they lost to the Padres. Uh, <laughs> they lost two. They lost two out of three to the Padres at home. 
They lost two out of three to the Dodgers before that. So it's it's not a given by any stretch. I'm not willing to concede that. <laughs> well, it's okay. It's not it's not up to us how they how they you know finish the season. So. Um, in the central though, they've still got old. They still got crusty dusty in charge. Yeah, uh, that is true. Um, but in the central, the Cubs are still leading the division with a healthy seven-game lead over the second-place Cardinals uh, with the 150-run differential, which is just ludicrous. And uh, they are seven and three in their last ten. So I know they've they've had a rough, you know, uh, couple weeks. But you know, anytime you can go 70 percent in the win column, that's that's good in my book. That math adds up. Yeah, and they could potentially be adding a role to Chapman here. But they, yeah, they rebounded and took two or three from the Brewers. They were losing today four to nothing, but they came back and won, which happens when you play the Brewers. Cardinals are playing well. Can't believe their run differential is as high as it is. They're just, I just don't. I just don't love their team. That they're gonna be good. They're still still be there at the end of the year. And the Pirates are are treading as well. <clears throat> Just four over five hundred. The negative differential. And with that, I got a ton of talent on that team. So if I'm a Pirates fan, I have to be a little disappointed with how the season's gone so far. Well, yeah. I mean, they're always disappointed though, unless they win the World Series. <laughs> Which has been a while, and then you got the, and then you got the Brewers and Reds, <laughs> bringing up the rear. I can't believe we're only twenty-one games back. I feel like we should be thirty at least. Okay, I just uh, came across something phenomenal, Nicholas. What'd you every find? You said bringing up the rear, so I just thought of like a caboose on a train, and cabooses are always red for whatever reason, if you look at the standings, every divisional, every team in the last place in a division outside of the Tampa Bay Rays, so five of the six divisions, the, the last place team has red as their color. Mm-hmm. They are quite literally the cabooses. <laughs> <laughs> now, granted, red is the most common color besides maybe blue. I don't know. There's a lot of, there's a lot of teams with red. Uh, so, you know, chances are that that's not too hard to come across, but I just thought it was an interesting little tidbit, you know. And that's just the sort of that's just the sort of analysis you get here in the Mendoza line that you can't find anywhere else. A bit of a uh, breaking update. What do we call it? Real time update. Uh, I don't know. In the past, real time follow up. Done. Real time follow up. There we go. So a, a little tweet just went out. Jeff Passan said, uh, rolled his Chapman to the Cubs looking likelier. Multiple pieces from the Cubs, including Claybor Torres, are agreed upon, but still not done. So to me, that says that they're, I bet they're working out some sort of extension because it looks like the players have been agreed upon, which is kind of what we talked about before. So maybe that'll come through tonight or tomorrow. But at this point, I don't know. The momentum seems to be there. That's crazy. And so yeah, that, that bullpen for the Cubs is going to be nasty if that happens. 
Yeah, I, I, if I were a real Cubs fan, not just, you know, married to a family that, you know, are kind of Cubs fans, um, I would be losing my mind right now. Because the future, the future just looks so bright for them. It does. On paper. You know, obviously baseball is, is a game that, you know, defies logic in, in many ways. But, yeah, man, if I was a Cubs fan, whoo. It's obnoxious right now. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Moving on, the West looks like a two-team race between the Giants and Dodgers. The Dodgers are three and a half back. Rockies, Padres, and Diamondbacks are quite a they're farther than that. Are over eleven games back, so that's probably not too surprising. Although the Giants have been, they had the best record in the league a couple of weeks ago, and then they they lost their first six out of the All Star break, which is surprising. Yeah, they'll be all right though. It's an even year. That that thing is real. I don't care what people say. I mean, it's happened three times the last three even years, so there's a bit of a trend. Yeah, we shall see. But yeah, I mean, you're right. It's yeah, it's Giants, Dodgers. It's it's the California teams. I suppose San Diego's in California, but no one counts them. So, or the old New York teams, right? True. Yes, this is true. Because of things we've learned on the Mendoza Line podcast, indeed. Well, hopefully people knew that they were from New York before this. But if not, then we are glad to have have shared that knowledge with you. Um, I'm sorry. I don't know where I was going with that. Um, this is why I'm an amateur podcaster, Nick, not a professional one. <laughs> I haven't quite... You're going to be making the big bucks someday. Uh, well, you know, I'd be okay with that. If anyone listening out there is a talent scout and thinks I have one iota of talent, please let me know. <laughs> Uh, well, I think next week is going to be uh, fun because we'll get to see if um, some of our predictions uh, came true, and I'm sure there's going to be at least one deal where we're scratching our heads, where someone paid way too much for a, you know, like Rich Hill. I like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm interested to see if, if, because as you said, the market for starting pitching is not as deep as it has been, if, if someone like him who who's had a good year but is you know not uh a top of you know the rotation guy for the next five years if someone just pays through the nose for him so it'll be fun to see yeah we will we'll break it all down i'm excited yes until then have a lovely week we'll talk to you next time Uh, see you later bye